Hello, and welcome to the Bloom Podcast. We continue with the state of womanhood, part three. Come on, let's grow together. Well, welcome back to the Bloom Podcast, and thank you for joining us in the state of womanhood. And today is actually the first day of Women's History Month. So I wanted to really, really focus on some critical points of womanhood. And we are, again, in part three. And again, the state of womanhood is complex. Now, today is going to get controversial. (laughs) Today, we're going to share some things. And uh, I'm probably going to be giving just as many disclaimers as I am content, because I really want to be very careful uh, to let you know where I'm coming from. So we're going to be sharing some information to say where we stand generally. We just want you to take these observations and take some journey through scripture so that you can make your mind up for yourself. You know, very often it's true for all of us. It's true for all of us. We do and say many things, believe many things out of tradition, not necessarily because they are biblically based, but because someone that we love, admire, respect, um, an institution that we love, admire, respect, has held this thing as a theme, as a belief, and it has become something that we just go along with. And the Bible declares that the traditions of man make the word of God of no effect. What does that mean? You know, I like King James, so I tend to quote in King James, and so sometimes I can be a little bit uh, challenging uh, because of the language is a, a little poetic and not necessarily the way that we speak plainly today. So it means that because it's been a tradition, as I mentioned, something that someone or something that we love, respect, or admire has quoted, has put out as a principle of living as a principle even of godliness and because of our relationship with that person we just made a decision that this was the truth well i have come to find out that i can love admire and respect the person and disagree with what they're saying and i have come to accept that if the Bible says something different, if it has a different theme, if it has, uh, if I could identify that this is what God has said repeatedly through scripture, that I hold that up to be what I should cling to. And I respectfully disagree with the institution or the person if what they are saying does not line up with the Bible. Now, that might ouch some people. That might sting some people. That's not our intention. As I said, I just want to give some disclaimers and I just want to share some information before we get started. 
because when we get started, we're going to get into some things. So uh, that is one disclaimer. Um, another disclaimer is I want to be very, very clear that when I share some of the things that I'm getting ready to share, I am not saying that 100% of the people that I'm getting ready to talk about, with one exception, I'm not saying that 100% of them are married people, nor am I saying, or married women, nor am I saying that I believe that all single women will be respectful of other people's relationships and uh, not go after somebody else's spouse. I understand that some people are going to do that. I understand that. And so I, I just want to make it clear with some of the things. And you'll understand when I get ready to talk. You're probably sitting there like, Where's, where is she going with this? Okay, well, we're getting ready to jump in. And today we are going to talk about three types of women. Three types of women. The strange woman who can be found, and you can read about her uh, in Proverbs 7, verses 6 through 23. The foolish woman, and you can read about her in Proverbs 9, 13 through 18. And then the wise woman, who you can read about in Proverbs 7, verses 4 through 5, 8, the entire chapter, and 9, verses 1 through 12. So we're going to talk about the strange woman, the foolish woman, and the wise woman. Because we got to celebrate women, and if we're going to celebrate, we also have to clear out and get healed and whole and, and real about the women that we're talking about. Now, the strange woman. The strange woman, and this is where one of my disclaimers came in. The strange woman is actually a married woman. She looks out into the street and she sees someone and she decides that she is going to go after this man. Uh, she makes preparations to go after some man. She talks about what she has done, what she has prepared. Uh, she has offerings ready. And she says that her husband is away and won't be back for some time. And he's got a bag of money and she is home and she is alone and she has prepared her bed. She prepared to be unfaithful. <laughs> she made her plan to be unfaithful. And she made her plan to look for somebody to be unfaithful with. She made a decision. And you kind of get the feel that this is the way that she operated that this was not a first-time situation. So this strange woman, as I pointed out, was married. Now, why am I leaning so heavily on that? 
I'm leaning heavily on that as a single woman, uh, someone that uh, has never been married. I have observed in the church that single women are often looked at, ridiculed, and ostracized. I have had the experience on numerous occasions where being at a wedding ceremony, couples are warned to stay away from their single friends because they will influence them negatively whenever, if ever, someone discloses some challenges in the marriage. Now, I am going to say this. I'm not claiming that single people, in this case particularly single women, know what it is to be married because we're single, um, especially those of us who have never been married. What I am saying is if your friend discourages you in your marriage. And now let's be clear. We're not talking about in cases of physical abuse. We're not talking about in cases where the person's life is in jeopardy. That's another (laughs) disclaimer. But if your friend encourages you to not keep your home, I have to question if that's a friend anyway. And as a single woman, I don't think all of us can be categorized in the place of destroying or deciding to destroy or uh, coming in to wreak havoc in a friend's marriage. I don't know that that is even, that even looks like friendship. That looks like immaturity. Um, possibly jealousy, envy. So I'm kind of suggesting that if that's where the person goes, perhaps they were not a friend anyway. I have to say for many of my friends that are married, I was excited about their marriage. And, And the rest of us single women were excited about their marriages. We were supportive. We prayed for them. We prayed that they would, you know, be successful in their marriages, that they would understand how to run their households, that they would indeed be able to, as the Bible says, to leave the system of their family and cleave to the new system that they would be making with their spouse. Now, I know that's a bit controversial, but I have to tell you, you know, and I I will be perfectly honest, it has hurt on several occasions to hear um, the minister, the pastor, the officiant discourage friendship, discourage community, because that's what happens. And let me give you an example. I had a a number of friends and um, we were all intercessors. We still are all intercessors. And I invited them to my home because I just felt like 
there was a need to pray in my home. I invited them. We all bought some food. Um, we had wonderful conversation. And uh, we ultimately went and we prayed. And one of the people that was invited said to me, she didn't understand why she was invited to come. And the reason that she said she didn't understand why she was invited to come was because she was the only married person. I need that to sink in. What a segregation. What a segregation. I can't tell you how that hurt. Because I just wanted my sisters in Christ to come to my home and pray. And so I'm hoping that I don't sound it. It's not my intention to bleed on anyone, but it is my intention to make us think. Let's think. And while we're thinking, let's examine the scripture. And please, 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 if you find scriptures about single women that have come in and destroyed marriages or attempted to get in the way of marriages, please let me know because I'd love to hear about it. And again, disclaimers, I'm not saying that people should be inappropriate. I'm not saying that people should put themselves in the place of jeopardy. But what I am saying is we have to watch what we say. How do we encourage separation and segregation in the body? How do we encourage a group of people who I might say <laughs> are a big part of the church? Single women are a big part of the church. How do we ostracize them? How do we put them to the side? How do we make the decision that they should be marginalized and relegated to only certain places and they should not have full fellowship with their other brothers and sisters in Christ simply because they're single. And while we're talking about uh, women in the Bible that are put up as symbols of certain things. You know, many, uh, many people refer to Jezebel when they talk about women that are uh, uh, seductive and out of place. And they usually talk about Jezebel from the perspective as if she was a single woman and she stole someone's husband. Well, the truth of the matter is when we meet Jezebel, she's already married to the king. She's already a queen. And she doesn't go after any man except for the prophet who had killed her false prophets or who had killed the prophets of Baal. That's who she goes after. And she goes after him to kill him. Now, she's unsuccessful. <laughs> and she ends up dying herself. But Jezebel was already married. She was not a single woman going after a married man. She was a woman that served an idolatrous, uh, served an idol God. And she was angered 
because those that were serving in her temple were murdered. This was not about stealing someone's husband. This was not about destroying someone's home. This was about her anger at her power being marginalized because her prophets were dead. So the next time you go to call a woman a Jezebel, because maybe she has on a fitted dress and full makeup, think again. Let's go to the Bible. Let's see what it says about Jezebel. And maybe we'll start to look at it for what it is, a manipulation, idol worship, and something that we should frown on because it takes away from the one true and living God. But Jezebel's story is not one about stealing a husband. It is one about trying to steal power and authority from the one true and living God. So that was a lot, right? And um, that was very concentrated, (laughs) very concentrated information. So let's go to the foolish woman. Uh, The foolish woman is very interesting because the foolish woman actually masquerades and uh, can appear to be wise. And why do I say that? When you read Proverbs 9, you're going to see a comparison of the wise woman and the foolish woman. And you're going to see that both of them set tables. Both of them have food prepared for their guests. Both of them cry out. But there's something about the cry of the foolish woman that is loud and brazen and different and different to the point of death. And as you read the information about the foolish woman, you recognize that she really seems godless. She really seems to stay away from the principles, the practices, the pleasure of being a child of God. She offers stolen food. She offers things that are really not hers to give. And at the end of the meal with the foolish woman is death. Now, we're going to spend the last few minutes talking about the wise woman. And as I looked at this, and it's really interesting, right? These are a trio of chapters, seven at Proverbs 7, 8, and 9, all together, all talking about these three different types of women and all giving us instruction, instruction after instruction after instruction to be wise. Wow. I looked at it and I said, wow. God tells us just before he goes into talking about the strange woman, he tells us to make wisdom our sister, right? Treat her like a beloved family member. That's what he says about wisdom. Then he goes into chapter eight, where he gives the full resume of wisdom. And he talks about how she was there from the beginning, that wisdom helps rulers rule well. 
I mean, it just goes into detail. If this was a resume that came across any uh, headhunter's desk, any uh, you know human resources desk, you would see the things that Wisdom has done and stamp hired before you even did the interview. That's how much detail of the wonderful works of Wisdom is given in Proverbs 8. And then they go further into Proverbs 9, the first 12 verses to talk about Wisdom crying out in the street. So Wisdom is not hiding itself from you. We go further, uh, look at the book of James. It says, if any man lacks wisdom, ask God who will give it to you. So wisdom is not hiding someplace saying, uh, I'm, I'm not willing to share my information, my secrets, my attributes. I'm not, will, I'm, not, uh, uh, I'm not willing to share what I know. I'm not willing to give you what you need so that you can go on to do the things that you should do. No, no, no. Wisdom is saying, I am here. I am calling to you. I have set my table. I want you to come sit down. I want you to come and hear what it is that I have to say. And so, as we look at these three types of women, we can say in our real lives, we've met strange women, we've met foolish women, and we've met wise women. And for all the women out there who may right now be in the strange woman category or the foolish woman category, there is time for you to make a turnaround. There is time for you to be different. There is time for you to come to wisdom's table and hear what she has to say and eat her food and drink her beverages. There's time for you to be wise. And so... As we begin this Women's History Month and we talk about these three types of women, I want to encourage you, one, look at the Bible carefully. See what it has to say. See what the themes are. See what the principles are. Number one. Number two, let's be careful about ostracizing, marginalizing, segregating any part of the body of Christ. Even the person who has challenged the behavior, the Bible says you should speak to them first, reason with them first, then reason with them in the company of witnesses, then reason with them in the presence of the church. Do all of these things before you put them out. That's the biblical method. So let's stop putting people to the side because they're single. I mean, Paul actually calls singleness a gift. He calls marriage a gift as well. Let's not put one gift above the other. And let me be clear, although I am single, I do want to be married. But what I am saying is, that as a single person who has loved God and served God and served in ministry for many, many years, it hurts to hear your leaders tell people to stay away from you because that's the bottom line of it. It hurts to elevate 
marriage above singleness and making single people feel as if they are second-class citizens in the body of Christ. (laughs) Imagine that. But it happens. And so, finally, let's be wise. And if you're not a woman, still, wisdom calls out for everyone to sit at her table. So, let's sit at the table of wisdom. Let's examine the scriptures. And again, I welcome you. Have a conversation with me. You can leave me a message. I would love to hear your feedback. You can email me, info at maliabloom.com. Info at maliabloom, M-E-L-I-A, bloom, like a flower, dot com. Let me know what your thoughts are. I'd love to hear your feedback on this. Now, next week, we're going to come back, or next time, we're going to come back, and uh, I believe we're going to talk about queens. So, thank you, thank you, thank you. Pray about this. Listen carefully. Listen to what I am saying, what I'm not saying. And go to God so that he can tell you how he feels about all of his people. And, hey, come on. Let's, you can say it. Come on, let's grow together.